Hello and welcome back to the Red Sector, a podcast about speedy motorbikes. On today's show, we're going to break down the action from Valencia. I am your host, Matt Polanski, joined as always by the walking, talking MotoGP encyclopedia, Bono. GP, Bono, how are you doing tonight? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. I uh, I look forward to breaking down the final event of 2021. It's been a roller coaster of a year, a great year. Um, mm-hmm. But yes, I'm very much looking forward to getting into it. Yeah, so uh, as you may have noticed, Josh isn't with us tonight. Uh, Josh has taken some time off. Uh, you know, it's been a very busy first season for us all. Uh, so he's just going to take some time off. He will be back. Uh, this is nothing serious. So just wish him well, and you know he'll, he'll be back. So yeah. uh, it was... A weird weekend because there was no news, so we can't really do anything with that because all of the news coming into this was about Rossi's last race. Um, As it should be. Yeah. As I'm sure you were weeping over your Rossi shrine. Yeah, I um, I did actually go home for the, for the weekend. I did trek back. I had a few family friends around and whatnot, so there's a fair few of us watching his last race. But yeah, it was... Um, you know what? I didn't actually get emotional about it because I think for me the emotion hit when he announced that he was retiring because that for me was like mm-hmm. it's it sunk in then for me. I know some people probably are the opposite and it it sunk in when he rode that last lap. I mean, I had goosebumps in the last lap. I just I have goosebumps now thinking about it. But when he <laughs> announced in Austria, I I I mean, I'm happy to admit it. I genuinely did tear up like because it was sort of like, oh my god this is it. This is it. Um, and I'm kind of processing then, okay, we've got like nine races left or whatever it was. And it was sort of then like, okay, just get through it or whatnot. And I don't know. I think for me, it was a happy moment of seeing him on that last lap because just, I don't know. I think at turn two, when all the riders came to congratulate him and they all yeah. flooded him and whatnot, it just brought a massive smile to my face. Cause I was thinking, all of those riders, every single one of them have watched him come through and they're now all there to say goodbye. So mm-hmm. it's a very nice moment, a very touching moment. And like I say, I think the news being valet swarmed, if you like, just being all Valentino is fitting. I don't think anyone yeah. at all, and if you are at all offended, happily watch another sport because the sport would not be where it is at all not one it wouldn't even be half the sport if it wasn't for valentino and that mm-hmm. goes for on track off track around the world i mean the guy inspires countries and countries that he's never even been near to race mm-hmm. and to ride motorcycles and to inspire look i mean look at the italian pedigree alone in gp now oh, yeah you know every italian that races in the top class MotoGP are all Valentino-inspired, every single one of them. The only one that's not Academy is, well, is now Enea Bastianini, but he only denied the uh, chance to go to the Academy is because he's actually managed by his uncle. Well, now he's not, but he he was managed by his uncle Mm -hmm. leading through his career and whatnot, but he still trains with them. The point being, they all have the opportunity to go to GP through Valentino, so it's only fitting that he had everything to do with him that weekend. but yeah, obviously, I know it doesn't mean as much to you, having only watched the sport for the last few years. But 
you alone can see the impact it has. Well, and it's one of those things because even you know, growing up, like there's there's names you hear that you just know, like oh yeah, that's like of uh, big sports are like I I didn't know before I got in F1, I didn't know exactly who Lewis Hamilton was. But if you said Lewis Hamilton, I'm like, Oh yeah, he's a race car driver. Like yeah. you knew who he was. Like if you heard the name Valentino Rossi, you're like, Oh yeah, he races. Like you may not know exactly what he does, but you're like, you hear that name. You're like, yeah, I know who that is. I don't know what he does, but I know he's big. Yeah. I was actually saying this to my mom because somebody mentioned it on BT. I think it might've been Neil Hodgson or Gavin Emmett that said, you know, you mentioned this guy's name, people know what you're talking about. And it's mm -hmm. true because I said to my mum, I was like, you know, there'd be certain people that I have met in my life that have asked me, you know, what are you into and whatnot? And I say MotoGP and they give me a blank face. Some of them might give me a blank face. And I go, Valentino Rossi? And they go, oh, yeah, yeah, straight away. Yeah. And that has happened so many times. But that, in a that alone shows how big, you mm -hmm. know, the guy is. And Frankly, I think the best thing is the fact that he's walked away unscathed. You know, he's got a daughter coming on. Um, he's got another life to live. You know, it's not like he's at an age now that he's coming away from something that he's not got anything to go and do. The guy can mm -hmm. do whatever he wants. He's got so much to live and so much to take on still in the paddock, being a team manager, team owner, if you like, not team manager, but mm -hmm. being the owner of a team. He's now got another academy team coming through Moto2. He's got the ranch. He's got the merch. He's got everything. So, for me, it's I'm I'm happy for him. I think that's the 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 conclusion of it. I'm just so happy for him. Yeah, because you figure, like you said, he gets to go out on his terms. Yeah, this isn't like he got hurt. This isn't that nobody wanted to sign him anymore, and he was forced to retire. Or it's like, well, we've decided to move on with other riders, so bug off you know yeah. kind of like what's happened with uh Petrucci, where it's like oh we're, we're we're moving on and there's really no other seat for you you know he gets to say he gets to go out on his terms like you said he's got his daughter coming he's got the academies the multiple teams he's what he's got like four teams now um, he's got well i mean GP he's got more team. than that because he's got even the the yamaha like masters academy thing going on in indonesia and East, different parts of East Asia and got a CIV team. He's got a Moto2 Academy team, a Moto2 VR46 team, a mm -hmm. MotoGP. He's got a Moto3 Ducati team. team. Um, the Moto3 team. I don't know if the Moto3 team's carrying on, though. I don't know. I could be wrong. Um, I feel like then, it's not carrying on. I could be wrong in saying that, but I feel like that is what's happening. But then you figure he's like he's going to race... Uh, Grand Touring Cars. He's going to go do GT racing. Yeah. And he's actually like, also been rumoured to be doing a couple of tests on the Ducati. Because yeah, uh, Michele Pirro came out and said, I was there when you were at Ducati and I know what you went through. You deserve, well, he deserves to do what he wants, in my opinion. But he's basically saying, you know, you 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 need to see where the bike's gone. Well, and uh, one of the, uh, I think it was the Paddock Pass podcast, they were saying about like, yeah, do you think he'll try to like throw on Marini's leathers one day for a practice, swing over mm -hmm. the bike and like go out in Marini's gear, like try to be, you know, in disguise? And they were like, well, if he stands up and pulls his leathers out of his crotch, you know, it's not Marini. Yeah, yeah, true. If he gets and holds the uh, 
the foot peg before he goes on the bike, then you know it's not you know it's not Marini. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm just I looking in the you... um, provisional list. By the way, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but there is no oh, you're good. no VR46 team there because I believe they were just putting all their eggs into the basket of MotoGP of having their own VR46 in Moto3 team. anymore. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, but that could come back. It could come back. You yeah. Know. But you, like, you know, he. I guarantee you, at some point, he will probably throw a leg over Ducati. You know, oh, being yeah. that, you know, even if it's like, it may not be this like the 2022 season. But like, maybe at some point he like wants to do a, a practice session or wants to do a wild card, something like that. It would probably be like years down the road because i think it, it was something i heard and i agree with it like there needs to be some time apart like i don't think he should be at qatar even though it's the team's first race and stuff like that like there needs to be this time apart where it's like okay he's not here anymore yeah I he do is gone because will apply to that as well though i think you know when mm-hmm. i mean it's just like me now looking at the provisional list I just go down the numbers and I'm like, he's not there. It's just weird that that 46 has been there every single year I've been alive and he's and not if there. You, and if you like have him coming to testing or the first few races, you're like, oh, well, he's not gone. Mm. And then whenever he finally like does. Like, ha- you know, even you know, if he comes for like the first race or first two races and then he disappeared, then it's like, well, where'd he go? He was just here. Versus if he just do- if he stays away, deals with the other stuff, or you know, and then it's like, okay, he really is gone. So that way, when he does come back down the road, you're like, oh, hey, he's back. Yo, you get a visit. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I do, I do know what you mean, but I think for the same time, Valentino, I know you're not saying it in the respect of you, you shouldn't be, you know, you shouldn't be in the paddock. You're saying it as a like right. more of a it's got more value if he doesn't yeah. come back. But at the same time, I'm like, do what you want. He could turn up on to testing and go around the track on a scooter. I'd be like, do what you want. <laughs> do what you um, want. Because you you, maybe, you put everything there, so do what you want. Maybe he'll go do that electric scooter championship that's coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe if you pay him the same that they get paid with about five more zeros, six more zeros <laughs> in the end. Yeah, maybe. Uh, it would be hilarious in him on like an electric scooter, like full Rossi gear would, on yeah, an electric would, scooter. It would give me massive like two fifty one two five throwbacks. I don't know if you've ever seen the videos of him like in the back of the paddock, like full on wheeling a scooter around the back of the paddock and just like <laughs> pissing about and whatnot. But yeah, I don't know. It, it, it is sad, but at the same time, you know, we might see him at. I mean, I might see him at Magello. You know, Magello is a maybe a prominent um a prominent place for him, if you like. It's a very well known place to associate Magello and Valentino. And when I'm there next year, he might do a he might do a lap, you know, he might just do a victory lap sort of thing, like a parade lap, do you know what I mean? He might do something like that. He might not See, be there. You never know, but it would be the right place to do it. That's I'm pulling up the schedule real quick, because when is Magello? The twenty ninth of May. Okay, so that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven rounds. In, and that's the eighth round. Yes. I'm just trying to think, like, when, like, 
if he were to stay away for a little while, would like Magello be a good like first race to have him back at? Hmm. I mean, I, I only know it's 29th of May because I've done more booking plans and everything <laughs> else for sorting that holiday out. So I could tell you everything that goes on with that in terms of that whole week. But you probably um, have the whole weekend schedule memorized. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm there from Wednesday to Wednesday, so I'll be I'll be there for I'll be there for the week in Magello. So very much looking forward to that. Hopefully that COVID doesn't. Hopefully COVID by that time is is dead and buried. But we can all hope and pray. But it mm-hmm. would have been lovely to go and see him when he was actually racing, which I actually was planning on doing. I was meant to go in 2020, but we all know 2020 screwed a lot of plans up for a lot of people. So yep. Um, but yeah, on the topic of Rossi, it would be nice to see him at any event, but he can do what he wants for me. But I do I do know what you mean. It would be nice to sort of see him a little bit away and then kind of have him back whenever. But who knows? Yeah, then it, it's he, more meaningful. Yeah, I get what you mean. But I think if you turned up at Qatar, there'd be people like, oh my God, oh my God, like he's actually back or whatever. But yeah, uh, it would be even more special if he wasn't there and then out of the blue, mm-hmm. unannounced he was there at at Magello, that would be insane. Like, look at what happened with uh, Stoner these past two races. Like, nobody. Yeah, I get that. But I think Stoner that's more, it's long... more expected because he's in Australia. So everyone's like, oh, he won't be, you know, he won't come to Europe. Whereas Rossi's in Europe. So people are going to be like, he could come up to any event. Right. I just feel like, yeah, with like all of a sudden it was like, oh my God, Stoner's here. Like, nobody's seen Stoner in a paddock in years. It's like, it was such yeah. a big deal, and like he's all over the place. He was on BT. He's taking pictures. It's like it was such a big deal. Like he's been gone for so long, and like now he's back. Like they were holding press conferences for Stoner alone, yeah, just to be like, yeah, I came on a golf trip. Like I was finally allowed out of out of Australia, and I hopped on the first plane to Europe to go play some golf and to visit a couple races. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I think it's like, imagine if Rossi didn't turn up and then out of the blue went to like Phillip Island next year. It'd be like the reverse. Mm-hmm. And they'd be like, what are you doing here? <laughs> it'd be so crazy. <laughs> you... Yeah. And then you've, like I said, you've, well, and you have to figure, you got to wait and see what happens with the GT stuff. Yeah. You know, if he, because from what I've heard, he's going to try to do WEC. Okay. Because I don't think he would do. GT World Challenge, he would probably go for World Endurance Championship. Yeah, I mean, again, I don't mean to sound like I'm just completely like Rossi, 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 but I am in saying he might just go, I'll do a wild card at WEC. No, I'll do a wild card at the GT thing. It, honestly, Matt, the guy oh, could yeah, turn up he and be like, he could do whatever he wants. He'll call sense. up Ferrari and be like, I want to do this race. They'll be like, and how soon can we have you in for a seat fitting? I honest, honest to God, if Rossi turned around to Ferrari and said, you know, obviously not directly, but if, if Rossi's team got in touch with Ferrari and said, is there any chance of us doing a private test? I'm putting, I could put every penny I own on them saying yes. Straight away, he they'd could, say yes. He could call up the F1 team and be like, I want to take the Ferrari out for either like, and when are you coming in for the seat fitting? Anybody we'll that says that that wouldn't, you. yeah. Anyone that says that that's, you know, unrealistic, you do not understand the magnitude that man has to his name, especially oh, in yeah. Italy. If he went to Ferrari and said, 
I want to go around the Marinello track, private test. Um, yeah, Schumacher's car. They go, yep, absolutely. We will they, have that ready for you. They, they would. They honestly would. Yeah. They'd straight away do it. I mean, people in the past, like Lorenzo, not as a big a name as Rossi. I mean, no one is, but Lorenzo got a private test at Silverstone with Mercedes. Obviously, mm-hmm. that that in itself holds a lot of magnitude with a name to go and say, Mercedes, I want a private test. Obviously, it would have been a two-way thing. But right. Rossi has that name to just turn up and say, I want that, get it sorted. And his team would go away and say, right, this and that, we want it sorted. And they would. They honestly would. Mm-hmm. Like, Patronus, what are the chances of them turning around? Having had the link with Patronus this year that Rossi's yep. had and done the the swap with Hamilton the year before or whatever, mm-hmm. what are the chances of him saying, right, we want to do that again? You're telling me they're going to go, no, I'm sorry, who are you? Who are you? Yeah. yeah. They're going to be like, absolutely, like 100%. 100%. Oh, for sure. That'd be amazing. Imagine if um, imagine if F1 returned to Mugello for some reason, whether it be COVID or whatever, or or Monza. Imagine if he did like say, a lap round Monza. When they get to Monza. Oh, oh that'd be special. I mean, to like, be fair, yeah. that'd be my bet. That'd be my bet. I think Rossi will be at Monza next year with F1. Whether he does anything car-wise, I don't know, but he'll be there. Like, I think that'd be amazing. Well, and you figure they do the like rookie test in FP1. Like, yeah, it's like, if Ferrari comes out in FP1, we will have Valentino Rossi in the car. It's like, in, you know, Valentino Rossi will be in Carlos Sainz's car. To be fair, they wouldn't risk that at Monza because they need every every lap they can get to make Monza the best thing for Ferrari. But I could see Rossi taking around a, an old Ferrari around Monza on the Monza weekend oh, at yeah. F1. I can see that happening. That would be amazing. For the pictures would, and everything, that would be insane. There would be an Italian explosion at that track. Like, Oh, my God. Imagine if... Oh, my... Imagine man. if Ferrari won that weekend and then Rossi was like, handing out the trophy. Oh, my No, imagine days. Rossi is waving the flag. <laughs> yeah. Waving the checkered flag as, like, Leclerc comes across. To if that happened... Win. You would never hear a circuit that loud in terms of atmosphere ever, ever. Like, I think I would be able to hear it from here. You could honestly, and the Monza podium. If you, if Rossi was handing that po- that trophy out, and you went, you know, and now to hand out the first place trophy, Valentino Rossi, that crowd would go ape. They would go oh, absolutely yeah. ape. And if it was a Ferrari that was winning, poor. Cats or oh, Jesus, that would be in that'd just be oh no, we need to get off this topic, otherwise it's gonna get it's gonna get flooded with all these hypothetical oh, if buts and maybes. We're, we're gonna just start talking with our hands. Yeah, giving it all the the emoji that people know it as like Yes, the Italian yeah. emoji. But uh yeah, so we'll move on to Moto three. Uh po- we had a podium of Artigas, Garcia, and Masia. Um, this was kind of a wild race because you had a lot of back and forth. There was, you know, people in places you didn't think they would be. Uh, and it ultimately came down to the incident between Foggia and Acosta. Acosta. 
Yeah. Which I'm just saying, like, championship was done and dusted. But if if we go back to Portimao and Brad Bender doesn't happen, and Foggia yeah, wins you, the race. You, you could say like, this forever and a day, we, though. Like, we, It's a strictly hypothetical, but if Brad Bender doesn't... or Yeah. But no, in, in a way, Matt, look look how well Acosta was riding this weekend, having already won the championship. Mm-hmm. It was like the Acosta of old. Oh, but yeah. But look at Acosta's reaction when he crashed. He was literally just like, oh, I don't care. Moto 2, come on, let's crack on. Like You could tell well, it was yeah, like, because, okay, cool. Because at that point, he's already wrapped up the championship. But if exactly. this had, if like the championship had come down to this race and this incident had happened, yeah, Foggy would get it'd be like the Agatha Moto E incident. It'd just be like yeah, you know, where he gets like a they yeah. slap on a random drive-through penalty. Yeah, they would dock him like forty some seconds. I will say this though, um, and my family can actually back me up on this. All weekend, not all weekend. Sorry, the completely worded that wrong. But all classes for the races, three out of three on predictions. I got all three race winners correct. So before going into this yeah. race with Moto3 and the amount they were chopping and changing and Foggia Acosta on the last lap with Artigas in like fourth, third, I was like, I don't think this is going to pay off. And then I saw Foggia and Acosta collide. I was like, okay, maybe it will <laughs> straight away. <laughs> I think for me, though, the biggest <laughs> shock out of that was actually um, Garcia overtaking... Guevara, I don't know if you remember it. He put on such an aggressive like overtake and turn oh, four, yeah. and I was yeah, like, because my my dad had Guevara to win, and because obviously the oh, championship wrapped oh. up, my dad was like, "What are you doing? It's your teammate." And I was like, "No, go ahead, Garcia. Let Artigas win. Like it's cool." But um, <laughs> when he pulled it off, I thought you could see Aspar in the in the garage after it, like shaking his head. I thought that's not going to go down well at all. But no. Garcia actually had a really aggressive but very calculated at the same time race. We we can't forget this guy's been out injured. So to come back mm-hmm. and, you know, be fighting again, I think Garcia puts himself in a very good position to have a lot of confidence going into the next year because I think on paper, people are putting it down as Foggia versus Garcia as the favourites for next year. Oh, yeah. I think they're the, the, the bookies' favourites. Because you figure Garcia was in contention for the championship before he fell off at um, Cota. What? Ar- no, it was Aragon. Oh yeah, he crashed at he crashed at yeah. Aragon, but he, he injured himself at Cota, didn't he? Right, but the, he, um, because whenever he went down, because uh, it was what did Acosta go down first, then Garcia? Acosta went. Yeah, Acosta went down, and they didn't. I don't think they told him that. He'd crashed, and then the lap after mm-hmm. that, he he crashed chasing Foggia down and and on yeah, and then that's because that's when they said that um, Garcia's championship was pretty much over, and then yeah. that's when Foggia started coming into the play. So I mean, like you said, bookies favorites. I could definitely see Foggia and Garcia being there. I mean, you figure you're getting um, uh, Raul Fernandez's little brother. Is it Adrian Fernandez. Yeah, he's coming to mo- to the IHO team. So no, he's he's going to Tech Three. 
Is he going to take uh, Dan- okay. Daniel Halgado is going to the, right. IO, the IO team. And Messia, obviously. I think Messia's been a bit hot and cold this year. I think he's got to come into next year with a I have to win the championship mentality because he's been a bit of a favourite, I'll be honest with you, for the last couple of years. So third year running to be a favourite for the championship, you've kind of got to perform, otherwise you then become this sort of hit and miss. A little bit like what John McPhee's had and he's been like, okay, this bike's competitive, started off strong, and then it's been like you're no longer a favourite anymore. Um, Obviously, Messiah has not been in the class as long as John McPhee's been in. John McPhee's been in the class since 20... I want to say 2013, 2012, something like that. So he's been in a long time. But Messia came through. I remember he had a wild card at Austria in 20, I want to say 16, 17. And he did really well, got himself a full-time ride from the wild card and then became this favorite, went to Leopard, didn't really work out. Then we went back to KTM, been done by his teammate, rookie teammate. And now it's like, okay, we're staying at KTM. Your teammate's gone. Can you then win the World Championship? So it's for me, I think it's a big year for Messia next year. I think he has to win the championship to get himself a competitive ride in Moto2. If he challenges, I think he'll go to Moto2. And maybe Ayo, if he likes him that much, he might go to the Ayo team. But if he doesn't go to the Ayo team in Moto2, having not won the championship, he might not get a ride that that you know warrants him a competitive bike for 2023. So it's a big year for Messiah next year. Mm-hmm. And then I think because Dennis Anju was in fifth place in this. Mm. That's another name. I think he, he doesn't have to battle for a championship, but he has to show maturity yes. going into next season. You know, the stuff like Jerez where he wipes out, I was like two or three other riders. I think that comes with experience, though, to be fair to him. Mm-hmm. I think this year has been a great year for Dennis because last year he wasn't there. And this year he wasn't there at the start of the year. And then Hareth came and it was like, oh, oh, no, he is. He, he is actually going to fight. And then it's been like up, down, back on the up. And I do think next year will be the year that Dennis gets his first win. And mm-hmm. I think Dennis will be on the podium a lot more. But like you say, I think Dennis has to pick his fights almost sometimes he gets into fights where you think maybe just maybe you don't have to lunge lunge on some people and you can actually right. benefit from that on just the fact that he's good at leading a race so he can lead a race and you know gap people which plays into Dennis's favor um so hopefully you know I, I think Dennis I don't think it's a make or break year like it is for Messia next year but I think this is the year where he's proven in 2021, that he could, can be competitive and people will be looking at him next year and saying, okay, prove it. Prove how competitive you are. Yeah, and I'm, trying to, I'm looking at the lineup here. I'm trying to think, like, of any other riders to note. What, for next year or for Valencia just gone? Well, both. Um, I think well, I think, I think one rider, had a good race. Yeah, Salach had a good race. Salach did have a good race, but I think for me, I'm a bit disappointed in the fact that Artigas is not staying on at Leopard because he's been very unlucky with injury and being wiped out this year. And mm. I look at who he's replaced by, and I'm like, that's a guy again has been a favourite and is now 
been so far off it this year in Tatsuki Suzuki and has somehow taken the ride of Artigas, who was, as we've established, I know it's late, but he's won a race this year. What's Suzuki done this year? I don't know if Suzuki's been on the podium once this year and he's got the Leopard ride, which I think we all assume and kind of know that if you've got the Leopard ride, you've done something special. And not only that, it's it's for a reason, because that team is a great team. Competitive bike, always seems to be quicker in the straights, good funding, you know, got good pedigree. They've won three world championships. So that team is a very good team to be part of. And I don't know why I would have Suzuki over Artigas based on current form, even including Artigas' unlucky first year. Suzuki is, again, somebody that people seem to think that has been in here for the last couple of years. But it's not. He's only been competitive the last couple of years, but not really done that much. So I am a little bit peeved off, but he has got a ride. He is racing for the team that Philip Salach is in, is Xavi mm-hmm. um, Artigas with Carlos Tatai. So hopefully he has a good year changing to KTM, but I think he deserves more than that. I think it's good for people like Guevara, who keeps his seat at Aspar. You know, gets to build on that with Garcia as a teammate. I think they'll be a very strong team next year, Aspar. I think in terms of team championship, I think they'll win next year in Moto3. Just a solid... Yeah, I think when you look at them, you've got Garcia who has built momentum as the year's gone on. Kind of fought for a world championship. You've got Guevara who's now got a race win and since winning at Cota has been up there and fighting and was up there fighting. Um, until his teammate nearly took him out at Valencia. I think you'll have a very hungry pair in there next year. I think they'll... Either them... I want to say Leopold, but I just don't know with Suzuki. I think Foggia will have a great year. But Aspar are my pick, I think, for next year. But I'm not sure. I'll have to make my mind up in the next few weeks. But overall, great race. Who do you think your rider of the day is, Matt? Is it Salach? Oh... I notice I've done most of the talking in that because I've just been rambling on about people for next year. But um... I want to say, uh, yeah, I'll take Salach. Yeah, solid ride. I mean, he mm-hmm. he would be my overtake of the race, actually. Um, I don't the... know if anybody saw it, but he did the last corner and he overtook two riders around the outside in the last corner. One of the laps, it was a stunning overtake, but you can give mm-hmm. your reasonings as to why Salach. I mean, like, that bike has had, like, its ups and downs. Because, mm. like, yeah, it's a KTM, but, like, that team in particular has had its ups and downs. Um, especially, you know, after the, you know, Jason passed away. So it was good to see, you know, that team kind of end the, at least the last race up towards the top. You know, hopefully they yeah. can come in stronger next season. Um, trying to pull up who they have next season. Who's this? The Prustal team. That's the team I've yeah. just been talking about with Carlos Tatai and Xavi Artigas. Okay. Oh, yeah. that's... Cause I, and this is why, because they're changing uh, primary sponsors next season. Yes. Oh, to Dev- yeah. Yeah. I so, think and yeah, bringing Artigas in, I feel on. like will definitely help him. Yeah. I think now he's won that race as well. It can sort of settle, it, settle him knowing he's that quick. Mm-hmm. Um, Tata is a very good rider as well. Just never really had the bike underneath him. 
to uh, challenge. But I think for my rider of the day, <clears throat> I think I will go with Stefano Nepa in, again, okay. that bike is very, I don't want to say lackluster, but it's not the best bike in the world. Um, and in a, in a T, in a, I can't even speak, in a grid like Moto3, sometimes with the amount of fighting going on and whatnot, and you're not on the greatest bike, I think Valencia, as a track, I'm not a massive fan of, but I think of all the classes, it suits Moto3 more, just because of the fact that it's a lot more fast-paced for the class that it is. Right. And Nepper actually, I don't know if you remember, but he was kind of the front leader of the, the second group. And there was a bit of a gap. So he did well to, to to bridge that gap because the gap was huge at one point. It was like six seconds, five seconds, and he just bridged and bridged and bridged mm -hmm. towards the end of what we now know as Onchu and Salach. But no, I think that's a solid ride. So I'll pick Nepa for Moto3. If you want to move on to well, Moto2. You... Real quick before we move off of Moto3, do you see they're okay. getting another bike in Moto3? In What do you mean another bike? So it's like a manufacturer. I mean, there's the there's, there's CT Moto, whatever it is. Yeah, uh, that's CF Moto. CF Moto. Yeah. Yeah. So that'll be interesting. Have another bike because you'll have. I mean, yes, you have the Honda, the KTM, the Gas Gas, and the Husqvarna, but the Gas Gas and the Husqvarna are basically just yeah, rebranded re rebranded KTM. KTMs. Yeah. yeah. So basically, you've got a full like a a whole field of Hondas or KTMs. So. To have even yeah. another one in there will be somewhat nice. Yeah, see I think what it would be more do. of a point to make if it was like six of the bikes are on that, six of the bikes mm -hmm. are on, you know, like a bit like in GP where you've got completely different teams and completely different chassis where, you know, like the Gas Gas and Osvarna, you call it what you want. It's a KTM, isn't it? Yeah, it's a KTM. I mean, it was a little bit like, did you watch the awards for this year? Did you watch the awards? No, show? I did. I saw like stuff they were posting on social, but I didn't. I wasn't able to watch the whole thing. Yeah, every year they come on. I, I always watch them, but I always the funniest bit for me is is when they do the Moto Two awards for the constructors, and they announce it like it's some big surprise, like Calex, and everyone's like, "Whoa!" Like Calex won. God, I no didn't see that coming. Shit. Like, <laughs> bearing in mind for anyone listening, Calex is. The majority of the grid, and not only is it the majority of the grid, that compared to any other bike, it's, there's, just, better, it's just miles better anyway. There's two MV Agustas, four Boscascuros, and two NTSs, yeah. and the rest is all Calix. Yeah, so for, for anybody wondering, win... NTS is... Um, NTS and MV Agusta, pretty lackluster in terms of They're performance. They're hanging on by a thread. Yeah, they, they aren't... They aren't massively funded, and they're not anywhere near as competitive, which is why I do think, and this sounds ridiculous, and it sounds like and I am going off of nothing to do with GP, really, in saying I personally think, very unpopular opinion based on results, but I think if Barry Baltus had the right bike underneath him, I think he'd be very competitive. Nobody has any reason to agree with me based on the results that you probably see in front of you, but I'm telling you, if that man ever gets a good ride, he will be competitive. But that's mm -hmm. another story for another day. As we move yeah. on to Moto2, um, thoughts? Because I, I said, as I wasn't predicting you know, the future that well, really. I think everyone sort of had it in their mind that would happen. We obviously have 
Fernandez, Raul Fernandez winning. If you want to yep. read out the top top five, top three. Yeah, so the podium was Raul Fernandez, followed by DJ Antonio, and then Augusto Fernandez in third. But the championship ultimately goes to Remy Gardner, who finished tenth place. All he had to do was not finish was finish above thirteenth. Even if Raul won off. the race, he just had to finish thirteenth place or higher. Yeah. And yeah. for a little bit there in the race, like he was hovering around that like eleventh, twelfth place mark, and you're like yeah. you're kinda like, Remy, what are you doing? Like, get going. Yeah, Nagashima started catching him and I thought mm-hmm. I remember saying to my dad when we were watching it, I said even if Nagashima passes him, do I really think that Manzi, Garzo, and the likes are going to catch him and, and pass him? No, but the only worry for me was is having the likes of Manzi and Garzo behind because I thought they do like a crash, and Garzo crashed. So I was like, it's a good thing well, they didn't drop, Remy didn't drop too far back. I think the only, and I mean, mind you, like some of these guys were like seconds behind him, but like you got Luti backer who's like racing his last race he's not gonna try anything yeah yeah you got ramirez kind of in the same boat because he's not coming back to the american racing team so it's like as far back as he was when you saw who was behind him you're kind of like well nobody's gonna try anything because none of they they're like let me just finish my last race yeah and they as they, they know when as you're winning a championship it's like I'm not going to lunge lunge on it. Yeah. Yeah no you know some people have a bigger brain than Darren Bender when in that kind of a situation but <laughs> That's a story for another day number 2. But I mean it was like it was one of those races and uh, another podcast I listened to mentioned it where like you kind of saw him like in the first few laps where it's like you know, he's taking it easy and he's like, okay, I just have to finish here and I can't push too hard because I don't want to risk it. And then like, as he went through the race, he kind of like got more comfortable and it was like, okay, I can do this. I can do this. And then that's when he started picking off, you know, a spot or two. Yeah. With Moto2 in general, I did think that Digi had a lot more than what Raul did at one point. I did think, you know, Maybe Raul's just sort of playing it by ear, if you like, for mm-hmm. for the majority of the race. But then, as soon as Raul got in, in back into first, it was sort of. I, I think he knew. I think it was almost the acceptance of Remy's not going to slip up, but I'll just win in case. But never say never. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. he, I'm glad he didn't just accept second and go, ah, he'll finish. Because then, if Remy did crash, then he would have been kicking himself. But a right. pretty. I don't want to say mediocre race, but it, it was for Valencia. I never really expect anything special with GP or Moto Two. Um, so yeah, it was it was a bit of a I mean expect and expected race, should I say? The only like nice thing about it was that the like podium was within like a second of each other. But other than that, because like you've got in fourth place, uh, Vietti, he was two point three seconds back. Kinnett was 4.9. Like, everyone was pretty much spread out from there. But it was just nice to see that, like, podium three close to each other where it's like, yeah, maybe somebody might try, could get a run on a last lap and maybe shake up the order of the podium. It's still going to be the podium, but maybe they shake up the order a little bit. 
Yeah. Yeah, I, like I said, I don't really have too much to say on Moto2 because nothing really out of the ordinary happened. I was a bit upset for Simone Corsi. Obviously, that bike oh, gave up yeah. on, the, on the restart and whatnot. That was a bit... Oh, and that was another thing. You you had the... Um... Was that this race that had the restart? Yeah. No, that was the Moto... Wasn't the Moto3 race that had the restart? No, Moto2 had the restart, if you remember. Because, uh, oh, well, Moto3 had the high sides. Yeah. Because it was Bender and a couple other people crash on the first lap. This one had the one where the bike fell and spilled oil all over the place. And so they had to clean it up. That's right. Yeah. But uh yeah, that was so because he started on pole and then you know, you had the accident where who was it that went out? Was it I forget. Is it Baldassari? Um because he's the other one not start classified as not starting. I'm trying to remember how it happened. Because the other That's two all... that are not classified are Garzo and oh, I can't even. Eki. Put... No, 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 no. Someone, Patarama. someone that crashed restarted. Was it Bezeki? Was it Bezeki and somebody else? I think Bezeki, because Bezeki crashed and they tried to get his bike going again because he he was able to get the bike back to the paddock. And then was they had Vier... to like speed. Yeah, hey, didn't he crash? Wasn't it Vierge? See, I don't remember. I can't remember for the life of me. It sounds so unprofessional for me to just be like, oh, but somebody then... crashed or whatever. But I can't remember who it was precisely. But I seem to remember Vierge crashing at turn two-ish, something like that. Um, I think Chantra yeah, might like... have crashed as well. I can't remember. For them to come around and, like, you know, Steve Day and Matt Burt were commenting and they're like, because they went, somebody's missing. Who's missing? And they were like, where's the leader? And it was just so, like, heartbreak because this was, like, like it, it was such a feel-good moment to see him get on pole. Yeah. And then to watch it's like, oh, well, he's not here. You're like, well, why? And then you just saw him pull it in and not even, you know, he knew yeah. it was a terminal problem. Because they even had a shot where it was the like the starting grid, and you could see the track like the um the bikes on the starting grid, and then here he comes down pit lane like he it wasn't like you know something that screwed up. It was like he knew something was wrong, and he was not going to be able to do this. Yeah, very very sad for him, especially considering how often he gets a pole. It's not it's not very uh. It's not a prominent thing to happen. And I think the last time he got one was, I think they said 2012 Aragon or something. That he last got a pole position. So it's not a regular thing for Simone Corsi. But anyway, um, our Moto2 Riders of the Day. You're going to give it Remy? I mean, I kind of... I'm going to give it Vietti. Uh, I think Vietti, this last few races, has been brilliant. I think he's come on pretty well put himself into a good position for 2022. And I do actually think, fingers crossed, he might might win a race or two next year. Uh, trying to, I'm looking at the grid here. I want to... See, I keep wanting to give it to Kinnett. 
just because it, like he's putting that Bosca Scuro, like a bike that is not that great, like in the top five regularly. Yeah. Okay, so I found the list of people involved in that first lap incident. It was Bezeki, Vierge, and Baldassari. Oh, so I got two of them right. Yeah. Yeah. And how did I find that? I turned on the Moto2 race and just start like found lap one and waited until the thing came up that said riders involved. The beauty of having the video pass. If they put that on offer again like they did during COVID, if I, I wish they'd do that for like until the season starts or something, you know, from the season ending and the next season starting, they put like an offer on where you can watch the racing and whatnot. Or, oh, yeah, watch know. the replays. Yeah, I wish they did like it because I got it for like a tenner during COVID. And I, you, you know, full well, I abused it. I just watched so many races. <laughs> just I'd be in uni lectures and the second it finished, I'd be like, okay, 2009. One two fives around Mategi. I just put it on. <laughs> like, I I just watched so many races. It's so good. And it like it's well. I got it last season. They were it was coming down to the wire, and it was like I think three four races to go. In what and class? they had it all. It no it, uh, for like just for the season. Oh okay. And uh, they put it up for like twenty dollars. Or something like that. And I looked at my wife, like, can I get the, like, at least the last few races? She's like, yeah, sure, yeah, see what it's like. And then... And now she's like, why did I say yes? <laughs> yeah. It's like, God damn it! Now, now I have to buy it every season. <laughs> There's no choice. But, uh... Yeah, looking at our, uh... Nation watch, we had, uh... Bobier, 21st. <sighs> God damn it. Am I? Why am I not seeing Joe Roberts? He withdrew, didn't he? Did he? Because I, I know he was. I know he was back from his uh, the what injury surgery? I think. I thought he withdrew like halfway through the weekend or before the weekend, if memory serves me right. Um, Dixon finished sixteenth, and where was Lowe's? Lowe's was seventh. So. I think overall for the season, the British. Could, I think for Valencia, we can just scan over the uh, nation watch. Yeah, but I think over the season, I think the British did beat the Americans. But we have another American coming next season. I say so. you're out, you're outweighing us next year. Yes, but uh, which you would have never on... said like three or four years ago because it used to just be just Sam, and now it's yeah. like. Joe Roberts, Cambobier, Sean Dylan Kelly, and it's like, oh my god. <laughs> so, no, more the merrier in a way. Like, not obviously not too many Americans. We don't want, we don't want that. We don't want <laughs> you know, we don't want like Moto three in Spain. But at the same time, it's good that we have a few representatives from respective countries. Well, and, then, and then, uh oh, who's over in World Superbike? Oh, Garrett Gerloff. That's it, Gerloff. But uh. And good then rider. Very Jake good Gagne's rider. had you know, rumors of Yamaha. Yeah. So, I don't know, maybe one day there will be like five of us. And you'll really be outnumbered. Yeah, but, see, uh, that's a Scott Ogden and Josh Waitley when they come up and uh, eventually make it up to Motor 2. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. And John McPhee, but we can all dream. Yeah. But uh, moving on to MotoGP, uh, 
We had a podium, we had a podium finish of Banyaya, Martin, and Miller for the first ever Ducati podium lockout, which is like when they said that statistic, like it's the first ever fully Ducati podium. Like, what? Yeah, for you it must be like because you've obviously came into them being very competitive, so you're like, how? Whereas me, I'm like, like, yeah. I think like okay, Ducati's been in MotoGP for how long? Twenty years, about twenty years. And and they've never had a podium lockout. Like it's well, that's the thing. Ducati used to be just Ducati, just the factory team, and then they became this Pramac team that was never like it is now, like Pramac Ducati. It used to just be like some random, you know, B-side sort of satellite team. satellite team. And now it's became like a real factory satellite, proper, you know, four bikes um, of the same. And they never used to have matched machinery. This year we had 2021 across Pramac and factory, whereas it used to be, mm-hmm. you know, we used to see some bikes. I mean, if memory serves me right, they were on a Ducati in 2013, we saw Paul Bird Motorsport join with like I think it what looked like a 2011 Ducati, and it was just the biggest bag of nails you've ever seen <laughs> riding around at the back of the grid. It was it was so far off it, um, it was never going to compete. You know what I mean? Whereas now we have mm-hmm. obviously they don't have the same amount of support, but they have the same kind of equipment in Martin and Zarco being given equal machinery which right. is a bit scary because obviously next year we're going to have eight Ducatis and at least half of them are going to be matched machinery at the highest yeah. level yeah I mean oh and yeah we're recording this on uh testing day like there was a quote from Miller where they were saying about like how fast the Ducati was and how it was able to go on a podium he's like wait until you see what we got next year like yeah, Miller's that, that sort of guy though. He's, he's never going to be like, "Oh, it's crap." Do you know what I mean? He's always going to be like, "Oh, you know, sort of big it up." But like, because I know Benyaya and Miller will be on twenty twenty two. Who else is going to be on twenty twenty two? Martin and Zarco will both be on twenty twenty two. Okay, but then like maybe Bastianini, maybe may I could I think Bastianini's getting a twenty one, isn't he? Probably, and people say, "Oh, he does. He does deserve a 2022." But at the same time, the rest of the grid are then going to be competing against five, five that year Ducatis, like current year Ducatis. That's going to be mm-hmm. insane. And then Ducati's making all the bikes for Moto E. Yeah, that. When does that start? Is that 2023? I think so, because I th- I don't think they've even started on them yet. No, I don't think it's this year. Because I think... Um, like the 2022, oh, but when I say this year... Now, I, when I say this year, it now classifies as 2022 MotoGP season. So when if I say, yeah. you know, I can't wait for this year, I mean the next season. Right. I'm already thinking but, 2022. Yeah, because I think the... Uh, I forget who makes the Moto e-bikes. Um, oh, who does make those? And Energica, Energica. I found the, the name Energica, of it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah. So Ducati is just slowly taking over MotoGP, is what we're finding out here. And uh, yeah. 
But yeah, they are certainly throwing some money at it. I mean, like looking at this race, you know, you had, like I said, you had that lockout, the Ducati lockout, but then you got Mir finishing fourth, Quattro fifth, like. This race like kind of played out like as you would expect it almost. Yeah, I mean, like I, I think say, Valencia big... just doesn't provide that overtaking sort of race. It just doesn't. Well, and you had like Benyaya and Martin kind of swapping places a couple time, which I was remembering back to Valencia last year, and you kind of had a similar thing between um, Morbidelli and Miller. Yeah, that was a good fight because they were on their own. Whereas if they're in a big pack or like there's somebody within a second, you know, if you overtake somebody, you you put yourself in such a detrimental position where you've mm-hmm. missed out on so much. Whereas they were fighting one versus one sort of at the front. Which like looking at that race and then this race, it's definitely like. Valencia is a good race for like the first two guys, if they're close. Yeah, exactly. Other than that, it's kind of like you're all like either spread so spread out or so bunched up you can't make a move yeah i i I know some people that can't stand it but i i'm not fun i'm not a fan of valencia really like if you said to me you know sort of like if you could get rid of a few tracks or like swap a few out it would definitely be in the the line of fire for swapping it out loud i'd happily have esther real or something like that in the replacement of valencia it's not it's not my pick of the bunch well, and it comes down to the whole, you know, wanting to be the last race of the season. Because, like, look at F1. It's yeah. Yas Marina. Yes, they're like this year, they're trying to do different things with the track to make it a little more competitive. But it's like, it comes, yes, we would all like other tracks, but it's like, well, what track is going to pay the most money? Well, obviously, Valencia is willing to pay buttloads of money to be the well, last because race of the, the season. Yeah, it's subsidized by the government. So in Spain, mm-hmm. you know, obviously they. It's not like the the company, sorry, not the company, it's not like the circuit are privately pulling out of their own pocket the money to right. pay for that last event. The Spanish government are. So it's happy days for Valencia. But I don't know. I just, I mean, it, I don't think it'd ever happen. But if that's the case, I'd rather, I'd swap Valencia for Jerez. Because imagine Jerez's last corner being the last thing to decide a championship that'd be so much more exciting than the whole of Valencia, I think. Anyway, but um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I just thought I'd put my piece in there and saying that for me, Valencia is not the one. Which is why when people go there and they're like, "Oh, the last race was a bit dead," I'm like, "Well, it will be because we go to Valencia." It's like the same argument F1 fans have for Yas Marina. People mm-hmm. are like, "Oh, this," you know, if there's a finale that goes down to the last race, and then they go, "Yeah, but it's going to be Yas Marina." People go, "Yeah, but it's going to be the last race," and the the hardcore fans will sit there and always go, okay, but yeah, it's say, not I didn't gonna tell be you anything. so. Like yeah. it's not going to be anything amazing, and it never ever will be for GP. Mm-hmm. And like you say, unless it's the front two, which yes, the, does tend to like decide the race, but you don't want that when the sport is what it is, and it can fight. Like look at Austria, it can fight mm-hmm. from front to back, back to front left, right, here, there, and everywhere, on every corner, every bend, every turn, every street, everything, and then you've got Valencia, where you're like, right. okay, turn one, maybe turn two if you've got a death sentence or a death wish, turn three, four, five, maybe seven, after the kink of six, 
maybe throw it into the right after the S, maybe if you've got the run on them, which if you you're normally have. Lucky. Yeah, and if it's trying to get past a Ducati, it's like trying to get past a washing machine. It's just so bulky, you <laughs> can't get past. And then you get to the last corner. Once you've span all the grip off your rear wheel and you think, do I lunge and butter up the front wheel? Maybe. Oh, I can't be bothered. We'll wait to the next lap. And it's just the <laughs> same lap after lap after lap. And it, it it does frustrate me because MotoGP has so much good overtake. It's so much good that it make mm-hmm. any sense. So much overtaking that happens all the time in all classes. And it's you go to Valencia and it just feels a bit deflating to me. And I think another factor of it is that you have like most of the championships are tied up or wrapped up before you even get there. Yeah. Or if it's, it's like Moto2 where it's like, well, we pretty much know what's going to happen. It would be something catastrophic for it to go the other way. But for most part, like last season, look at last season. When we went to Valencia, it wasn't the last race. Portimao was the last race. Yeah. Valencia was, was where good. the Yeah, Valencia was where the championship got figured out, but it was at a point where it's like, well, Mir just has to finish in this place, and even if Morbidelli wins, as long as Mir finishes this spot or above, it's over. And yeah. so that's exactly we got exactly like what happened in Moto Two, you know, Sunday, where it's like well, okay, unless something catastrophic happens, which it doesn't because everyone's being safe and nobody wants to, you know, ruin a championship and, you know, the championship contender is, you know, riding perfectly safe to not screw anything up. It's like, well, yeah, this is kind of boring. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I totally agree. Um, In terms of the actual race itself in MotoGP, like we've kind of discussed, there's, there wasn't anything that stood out. I mean, I mean again, the, Pecco I is the... just on form, isn't he? He's just on such oh, yeah. good form. And I think the like Rossi got a top 10. You know what's funny as well? I um, Last night, I was... I can't remember what I was doing. I was doing some form of uni work, and I just had like MotoGP on in the background. Um, and what came up was the Moto3 finale of 2013 i remember watching it like live when it happened years ago and i thought yeah go on i'll stick it on just have it on the background and they were going through the grid and it got to like row 12 like somebody an absolute back marker and it was like uh we've got francesco bagnaia and i was like oh my god oh my (laughs) god like and then he came up on screen he nearly got wiped out in that race and he's like this little number four on some old like I think it was like a Mahindra at the time. Oh god. And I, I remember just like seeing it and thinking, imagine going back then and seeing like Jack Miller was on this like I can't remember what bike it was on. It was I, I remember like what it looks like and everything, but it was on some B side team. And imagine if you went then and said, You see him in fourth place, fifth place, Jack Miller, and you see that guy who's like twenty fifth. Francesco Bagnaia, <laughs> they're going to be Ducati factory teammates in less than 10 years. You'd be like, what? Like, why? And, and not only that, but like, you're like, do you see that kid in way in the back in the back marker? He's going to be battling for a championship and win mud, like almost half the races. I mean, how many, how many is he won now? Like four? 
One at Aragon, oh, one at Mazzano. No, he didn't win at did he win at first Mazzano? Who won the first Mazzano? He, for, yeah, I think he won first, first was Mazzano, then Aragon. His first was Aragon. His first was Aragon. Because I remember they said after that they were like, okay, from now on you'll see him you'll see him win. He won there, he won at Mazzano, he won Portimao, and he's won Valencia. Up. That's four, to my knowledge. Aragon, Mazzano. Uh, Portimao, Valencia. Valencia, yeah, four. Just that's just mad. Like, like four, four Grand Prix in the space of like, oh, he needs to get his first win. He gets first top... win, win, win. Does like win, win, third, crashed, win, win, like... win, win. Yeah. Like if you, if, like you said, if you go back to 2013, you tell somebody who's st- who's at that race, like, do you see that kid? Mental. You know, battling for a championship on a factory Ducati. You're gonna be like, excuse me? Yeah. That's you what sure you're not talking just... to the about the person next to him? Yeah, yeah. It it absolutely baffled me just sitting there thinking I I remember hearing about him his name in Moto three, just I used to obviously used to watch it back then. I never had him to go that far. I thought you know, he's in the VR forty six thing, sort of like I don't even know if they had an academy back then, but he's in he's in the realms of the whole like Italian pedigree coming through with like you know mm-hmm. training with Rossi and whatnot. I thought, yeah, may, maybe maybe he'll make a bit of a name for himself in Moto three, maybe at best Moto two, and who knows from there to win multiple Grand Prix and challenge for a world championship in Moto GP as a factory Ducati rider. What? But now, like, you would not doubt Pecco in going on to the next year and being very competitive, which scares everyone other than Pecco. Right. But, uh... But rider of the day? At, yeah, rider of the day. Um... Oh, shoot. Mine would be to... Jorge. Jorge Martin. M- Martin, okay. Because he actually... It, it was said on the uh the broadcasting it was said that he was very ill on race day oh yeah i forgot about and, that yeah and to race to second and fight for pet for, for the win with peco solid ride i think like i've said it before i'll say it again i think if jack miller keeps getting beat by jorge martin on occasion i think they will end up promoting jorge martin in place of jack miller i you heard it here i first. can see it 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 wouldn't surprise me because you figure he came in to Ducati as like the number one. You know, you're the fact you're the number one rider. Everything goes to you, and then like within I forget how many races because Miller won two races. Yeah, Le Mans and Jerez. I mean, people probably but, think but I'm being really th- unfair, but you know, Jerez was Jerez, but he still won. Yeah. Right, but it was like for everything Miller did, Benyaya was like either right there with him or like over outdoing him. Mm. So I could definitely see like if in the next like year or two, if Miller doesn't perform well, swapping him out for uh, Martin. It will just be dog eat dog, like it normally is. It it'll be like, well, if 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 one factory sniff. At Jorge Martin, Ducati will have to promote him because if they don't, they'll oh, lose yeah. him. 
Oh, yeah, it's going to be exactly like what, ha- uh, what happened with It's what happened with, with Jorge Martin. Yeah, and Ralph Fernandez. It's exactly the same. Yeah. KTM lost Jorge Martin because they weren't quick enough on it, and Ducati said, do you fancy riding for Pramac? And he took it. Mm-hmm. Simple. But I think for my rider of the day, I'm going to go... Uh, I go Johan Zarka. Really? Because he he dropped a good bit, but was able to like regain some spots. Mind you, that was also with Rins falling off. But well, first to finish first, first you got to finish. Yeah, and I mean, you figure he only got beat, but he like who beat him? Benyaya, Martin Miller, Mir Quattararo, like. Yeah, and he had a like an almost well, about a one and a half second gap to Bender, so. Solid, yeah. yeah, solid ride. I think that that puts one of our nails in the coffin for 2021. That's the last race review until yeah, we... when's the first race? Is it March? I don't even know. I should really have a day countdown on that. Yeah, because I'm not going <laughs> to have any life until then. So start a timer. It will well, be I'll the sh- first race is expected to be at the 6th of March. Okay. So, yeah, I'll shoot you over my uh, login for the MotoGP video pass. That way, you have something to tie oh, you over. <laughs> if you do that, Matt, that'll be dangerous. Can you both? Can you watch it both at the same time? I, I love how we're just publicly putting it out there that we're sharing an account. Probably. <laughs> Probably. Well, you're not nah, sharing you, an account. Nah, it's you, just if... like during the off season. Wow, wow that that is that is very generous of you. I greatly appreciate <laughs> that. My um, but, uh my sleeping pattern won't, but I I appreciate uh, yeah. that. Yeah, your roommate won't. He'll hate you. <laughs> but uh Yeah, so moving into the final nail for the twenty twenty one season, we got MotoGP Fantasy, which we have to congratulate Ant Man Motorcycles, who took the lead and then never gave it up. Uh he Fair finishes play, the season. Yep. Finishes the season on eighteen hundred and eighty six point five points. Tiger Motorsports, which is Josh, finished with 1,802.0. So, only 84.84.5 points back. Um, and you got uh, SIC 58 with 1,801. Matic Motorsports with 1,762. Rins 1010, who's myself, at 1,722.5. Bono GP at six. Yeah, 1,620. Takanaka Wakagami at 1,586. Danical Motorsports with 1,438.5. S07, 1,252. Buffalo Bills, (laughs) 1,003.5. Pandora's Box at 1,065. Like, these are the people who, like, you could tell. They've got all three turbos still. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Triple seven six five with a thousand thirty three point five, and then unflexible with six twenty five point six twenty six thirty two. Damn it, dyslexia. So, <laughs> yeah, that's that was MotoGP fantasy. It was a ton of fun. Wow, Takanaka Wakagami finished seventh and still had two turbos. Well, maybe next like, year I... I'll try. But we we have come to a decision <laughs> that. Um... We will be putting a bit of a thing together for if you are yeah, still we're listening, try you to want to join the fantasy. Out. We're going to try to figure something out for a bit of a prize, bit of a get together for people to join and whatnot. 
Um, mm-hmm. Just also, before you uh, conclude the fantasy, Matt, I do just want to say we actually are gaining a few more members on the Discord at the minute. So if you mm-hmm. are listening and you are still interested in joining the Discord, I know a few people have messaged and whatnot to get the link. And a few people that I've actually invited have been like, oh my God, wait, there's a there's a, there's a a Discord for like motorsport stuff. And I'm like, yeah, of course. Like, So if you've got anybody that wants to join and you're into MotoGP and whatnot, feel free to get involved. We have people on there like me, Matt, Josh, Armo, um, Joey, Joey, and a few others. Yeah, we've got plenty of people on there. And it's all good fun, really. It's all lighthearted conversation, but people are also interested in MotoGP. So if you feel like joining it and whatnot, either drop me a message at BunnerGP underscore on Twitter, or you can click the link in my bio. And, the link is also yeah. in the uh, Red Sector's bio. So oh, is it's it? there too. Yep. So there you go. So if anybody has Discord, or this is what I mean, we use Discord to record our podcasts on, um, mm-hmm. feel free to feel free to join it and whatnot. So everybody's invited. And over yep. obviously over the off-season, I'm going to try and put together maybe a few a group things and whatnot to get everybody involved in, or just kind of build the community on there so matt's gonna conclude the fantasy and whatnot but i just thought i'd nip in now to say that um so yeah mate anything else to say on fantasy no it was a fun season it was uh it was definitely challenging uh yeah i was trying to Fair catch Maddox motorsports <laughs> yeah like you said that guy like i saw him in my in one of the other leagues a bit and i'm like this motherfucker like he is <laughs> all into it like he is coming for blood and but still I, remains anonymous still yeah. to this day do, uh, did you look at the scores for the last race i didn't i mean i had peko on you, a boost so you had the highest points of well, everyone there you go. in the last I mean, race i don't know if josh has listened to this but josh will know regularly that i complain at the fact that i never care but also care at the fact that i don't care about the fantasy <laughs> yeah. The one week I cared, I got high scoring points. I'm just saying. Yep. I'm just saying. So, you know, need I say any more? I mean, next year, you... man, I'm definitely not going to come for you because I'm going to end up forgetting about the point system every single week <laughs> and actually paying the price for it because I'll be paying the price for the prize that he'll end up winning. Yeah. I mean, when you look at who you had, you had Banyaya, Quattraro, Miller, and Zarco. There you go. So. The only way, like, you had Yamaha as a team if you would have had Ducati, but I... See, I think, and what makes it so interesting is you have situations where riders, like, their stock raises and lowers, like, race to race. So you can get in at the beginning of the season and get, like, a decent team, and then, because they're, like, priced lower... And then as the season goes, their prices raise and lower. You could end up with a team like Peko. I mean, on paper, like mine. Yeah. On paper. Like a team yeah. where it's Peko, Fabio, Miller, and even, you know, somebody else like, maybe not Zarco. Like but Mia. like Yeah. And then it's like, you get that at some point. And then just by the way, like, say somebody has, or even if you don't get like, say, Peko and Quattroar, because they're going to be highly priced ne- at the beginning of next season. Mm. But say one of those two, st- like, you get one but not the other, and then the other one has a bad first few races, their stock's going to drop. You can get them at a lower price. Then if they start doing good, their price goes up. You're like, I just basically stole this guy. 
Yeah, you need to be on it with stuff like that, which and, I guess Ant-Man is. I'm just not. <laughs> <laughs> but like the, and the other challenging thing I like is that you get one trade a week. Yeah, you can't just go willy-nilly like, oh, yeah, all of like, these riders are injured. So, you know, if you pick people who are crash-bound, sadly, like a Mark Marquez, it's really, mm-hmm. it's either full, you know, like almost like a double reward because you know he's going to be competitive or it's going to yep. be a big deficit because if he crashes, you know, you know it's not out of the picture. But it, it, it's going to be a big crash. It's not going to be a something that if, if he crashes at the weekend, chances are if he crashes, it's going to be pretty big. So, well, no, yeah, I, then- I get that. You get stuff where it's like you want to tr- like I uh, I heard about another fantasy team where they wanted to drop somebody else, but Marquez had gotten hurt. So it's like, well, now I have to drop Marquez because he won't be racing at all. Where, you know, I wanted to drop rider A, but now I have to drop rider B because something happened. And there's like a whole strategy to it. And I, it's just really fun. Yeah. Just no. got to make sure you get your picks in before, oh, I think yeah. it's free practice four. I think you can, the boost thing is before qualifying. So yeah, FP4, I guess. Yeah, FP4 it like is the last chance you have to lock in your votes. Because once qualifying starts, then every position is locked in. Yeah, uh, hopefully I'll actually give it a good go next year. And hopefully there'll be a few <laughs> more of us. So... Fingers crossed. I, I think for me and Josh, I, th- I think you were a bit more on it than me and Josh. But Josh actually just did. Oh, every well Wednesday with... I was checking. Yeah. Josh kind of just stuck with what he's got, I think. I don't think he made too many changes, but I, every time I made a change, the, the rider went and completely messed it up for me. So I think I just got demoralized from that. But yeah, so uh, that does it with the 2021 season. and that, But the 2022 season has already started. As today, we had Jerez uh, testing. Uh, (laughs) Did you see who topped the list? Yeah. (laughs) If only he could do that during the races. It's it's a little bit like a Maverick. Maverick's been the the champion of testing, kind of been given the name of, you know, testing champion over the last few years. Nakagami's always quick in testing, but Mm -hmm. testing is one thing and racing is another, so... I think, you know, we've discussed enough on the Nakagami situation, but it kind of puts him in the frame of like, okay, well, if you're that quick, then do it. Sort of. Right. Pressure's on now, big time. I, yeah, and like looking at the top three, it was Nakagami, Zarko, and Bastianini leading the way. Um, But like, I definitely feel like if he, if Nakagami doesn't perform well this season, he definitely has a role as a test rider possibly because just looking at this and like you said he's usually fast in testing yeah if you take if you take him on a team like honda or something or even another team that needs a test rider you know you put him out there you're like go as fast as you can he can clearly do it yeah I even think didn't he do it a couple times at Qatar testing this season? Or in yeah, like I say, he's always been pretty quick. He was he was quick in I don't know if he finished top, but he finished. I remember halfway through the day at one point in Misano testing, he was quick. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, same as Maverick in that it's all right doing it in testing, but you need to make that a product in racing. So 
we've discussed enough on the Nakagami situation. Do you want to tell or slightly give away sneak peeks, if you like, of what we've got planned? I know we mentioned it last podcast, but just a bit of a recap. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, like you said, it's the end of the 2021 season, as I'm sure you all know at this point. I'm not telling you something you don't know. Um, but we're not going to go anywhere. Uh, like we said before, Josh is taking some time off. Um, we do have some stuff planned. We have uh, the, like, we're going to do an awards show where we hand out some some serious, you know, maybe Rider of the Year, fat, you know, stuff like legitimate, that. Normally, legitimate awards. Yeah, thing, legit yeah. awards. And then we're going to have some funny ones, um, you know, ones like, you know, most crashes in a season, stuff like that. Um, we're going to do uh, a review uh grading show um where we go through we we did the moto gp grades throughout the season we're going to look into doing moto 2 and moto 3 for the year and then moto gp we're going to try and get some guests on for that one yeah uh won't say we also who. have uh yeah we're not saying who. we also have um something to get everybody else involved with we're going to do i wouldn't say it's a pop quiz but it's going to be quizzes intertwined with some you know sort of test our our version of testing our version of mm -hmm. winter testing is um going to be something that you can all get involved in and yeah, do so... some bits and bobs like that so there'll be you know some kind of interaction with everybody listening yeah we'll kind of you know have whenever we figure out when we're doing it we're going to have uh fans sending questions and uh you know so that way we can try to do a pop quiz to bono uh, we're going to bring back Stump Bunno. Um, <laughs> Prepare for hell with that one. Yeah. Uh, we have uh, some fantasy drafts planned uh, where the three of us will go for however many rounds we come up with and draft all sorts of stuff. I've got at least three topics I can think of right off the top of my head that we yeah. can do them on. Um Matt's going to teach me and Josh well, if, what a if fantasy Josh draft is, even if, is. Yeah, yeah, what a fantasy <laughs> draft actually is, because that's more of an Americanism than mm -hmm. it is uh, a European thing. But I have literally sat in front of me a huge list of names that may not be confirmed, but they are potential guests and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And the list is pretty long. So even if there so are a bunch of them that come on during the winter and whatnot, there's definitely plenty for people to stick their teeth into and sort of, you know, digest with our episodes. We're not going to just yep. whittle off into the winter and never see us again until Qatar. There's, there is plenty that we've got planned and hope to plan with the confirmation of a few people that might be coming on. So not to reveal any names or anything, but we no. we have have a fair amount that if if all being good, I mean, if all being really good, we have some very good very good plans but that is that is future that's you know we, we have some names where whenever we say like if yeah when we look at those names we're like yeah we can definitely get that person we have some names on there where it's like we are shooting for the moon and that's no disrespect to the people that we we have or anything like that no. or you know it's just there's there's levels to the game and there's yep. certain certain names that I'm saying here now, and I don't. I don't even want to think of the prospect of that being confirmed. <laughs> like even even if we went like to the two we've had, we've had Matt Dunn and Fran Wild. If we went to them and said like, "Who is bigger, 
you or Send one me. of the top yeah one of the top riders they're gonna be like oh for sure it's the rider yeah 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 yeah. which doesn't give away the fact that a top rider is who we're thinking of necessarily no that because, was just an example yeah yeah but the names are very they're very exciting let's just leave it at that they're, they're very exciting names and i'll be honest as part of like the host side of the podcast just for that alone to be you know connected with those names is mm -hmm. very exciting so as a listener i'm hoping that it comes across how good it's going to be if these names come through and we actually manage to get them on the show um it should be very very good through the winter to sit and listen to some what I think we'll look back on and be like, oh, that was a classic episode sort of thing. Like, you know, we, we've got some great things in, in place that hopefully if, like we say, keep going around in circles saying, hopefully if it comes off, it will be great. But I have great confidence in some of the things we've got planned pulling off and it being really fun and whatnot. So hopefully by December, we should have a plan of a fair few names of these are definite names that are going to come on and then we will reveal as you know in due course if you like but even before december we've got plenty of fun to go and um go and have so we'll just keep it very minimum without trying to reveal what we've got planned because obviously we want to make it a bit exciting for when it comes around to actually happening matt hit them with the socials and we will call yeah. it a day yeah, so uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Red Sector Moto GP. You know, it was like two days ago I realized I haven't done this in months. Yeah, that's why I'm <laughs> like, because I, I, I have to edit. Everyone listening, I edit these episodes. So when when there becomes a common theme, I'm like, okay, I need to point that out the next time. And every time that I've gone there, I'll be like, okay, I'll oh. remind Matt, I'll remind Matt, I'll remind Matt. And then like, it just came to my mind. That, so, you know. Being that Bono edits them, I publish them, and mm. I started. I am I'm the one who comes up with the like the description for the episode, and I started noticing a habit. I where I went at the beginning. I went. I was. I went back and read through all of them, and it in always started episode, with in today's on today's episode, episode on today's <laughs> episode, and then I changed it up to on this episode, and I'm like, I don't even realize I did that, but yeah. I did that. Like yeah. I changed it so that it's not like you're looking back and it's like, oh well. If you don't listen to it today, you're kind of like in out of a loop where it's like I tried to like change it to like on this episode, mm. you know, and then try to like make it so like even if you go back and listen next year, yeah, you know, it's not like you know See, you feel less. Yeah, that's what we're aiming for in the winter is to not be like you know the majority of the podcasts we do at the minute are based on like this one. We're we're a little bit late due to just general life and timetables and whatnot but the majority of the podcasts we do are race reviews so it's kind of relevant to the week that you're listening it to mm -hmm. um to it in if you like but with the off-season podcast and the off-week podcast that we've done in the past it's going to be a podcast where you can chuck it on in november in december in january in february yep. and it's going to be relevant to previous things mm -hmm. or you know it's not going to be something you have to listen to the day it comes out, in order for it to be relevant, you can re-listen to it if you're really keen. Yep. But either way, it will be, you know, a bit more lenient with the relevancy of when you listen to it. Yep. So, uh, yeah, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Red Sector Moto GP. Follow Josh at Wilson J one nine four. 
Follow Bono at BunnoGP underscore and myself at Matt Polanski one. So with that, keep the throttle pinned. Oh, <laughs>